0: to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis uh, chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13 this morning. We're looking at the life of Abraham and just one snippet there. Um, I had to tell the church at Carneysville, please uh, put up with me a little bit. If I seem like I'm here and there, I preach a totally different sermon there. So uh, keeping both of them in mind, uh, and we're talking about Abram there too. But uh, Genesis chapter 13, God has called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees, which is what is in today Iraq, called him to come to a land, didn't tell him where he was taking him, but said, just go, I'll lead you. And he left, but he took along his... He was told, leave your, your kindred, your family behind. I just want you and your wife. Well, he takes dad along, and he takes the nephew Lot along. Well, he goes to Haran, which is north of what is present-day Israel, and they stay there for about five years until his dad dies. And the Lord reiterates, now let's get going. So they come, and they finally enter into Israel. They go to Shechem, which is in the northern part near Galilee, uh, Samaria, Uh, and there he built an altar. Then he continued a little further south to uh, what we call Bethel, uh, which means house of God. That's a town that's 10 miles north of Jerusalem in the hill country. And there he built another altar and worshiped the Lord. Have you ever noticed when you obey the Lord things happen and there are tests that come our way? Some people uh, get the idea if you trust the Lord everything's going to go your way and you have all these crazy preachers on television that know nothing about what they're talking saying God wants you to be happy and healthy and and have all kinds of money and everything's going to go your way and just command... Things, the, the disease to leave. It doesn't work like that. God allows things to come into our lives to test us, to help us grow. Without those testings, we'll never grow. He wants us to be faithful, and he wants to show us that he is faithful to us in the middle of the storm. Not that he's going to take all the storms away, but if we trust him and obey him, we are going to come out a lot stronger, and we're going to be a lot more useful to him in our lives. Well, he's there, and he's kind of on a a high, he's worshiping the Lord, and then he moves a little bit further into what's called the Negev, the southern part of, of Israel, and it's a lot of desert, but there are quite a few oases here and there, and he He goes to what is today Beersheba, and there's a great oasis. And the next thing that happens is he's in the land, he's obeyed the Lord, and then a drought comes. And drought comes into our lives at times. Those problems. And what does Abram do at that point? He tries to run away from his Problems. He ends up in Egypt. That's not where God wanted him to be. But he goes there. And then when he gets to the border of Egypt, he starts thinking, Hmm, Sarah, my wife, she's a mighty good-looking woman. We get down there, Pharaoh's going to want her, and he'll kill me. To take her. Sarah. We're going to tell him that you're my sister. So everything goes well for me. Ladies, how would you like your husband to do that? In a way, he was acting like a pimp. He's willing to sell his wife. So he's going to have it great. The Lord wasn't pleased with that. I don't think Sarah was too pleased with it either. But one thing that did happen, the Lord went after Pharaoh's household and he found out what the truth was. And he goes to Abram, what have you done? Why have you lied to me? And he returns Sarah. By the grace of God, he returns her. And... Abraham and his nephew Lot leave with an abundant silver and gold and all kinds of flocks that they've acquired while they're in Egypt. I'd say the Pharaoh was more than kind for the lie that was told, but God had something else in mind. We come to chapter 13, and just that to set up what we're talking about that. They have returned, in uh, verse 2 of chapter 13, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev down there in the, the southern part of Israel and went as far as Bethel to the place we had pitched his tent at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place where he had made an altar at the first And there, Abram called upon the name of the Lord. He got back to where he was supposed to be, and he began to worship the Lord again. And guess what happens? There are more problems. Why? Well, let's take a look. Verse 5, And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they couldn't dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were in in the land. They came back, Abram got it right, but he had all this baggage. All of these possessions, they were the fruits of Egypt. We here in the United States think that the abundance of things and getting rich and wealthy, that is a great blessing of the Lord. It can be one of the greatest hindrances to our following the Lord. Why? Because we trust in things. And we want to protect our things. You know, things don't matter. When you get right down to it, what would happen if this building burnt down? Would we still be a church? The building doesn't make any difference. No difference whatsoever. There in Carneysville, we're in a building. It was built in 1869. Um, and they like it like that. They don't want modern things in there. It's, the pews were bought before 1900 from Sears Roebuck. Uh, talk about old. But you know what? The people... They're they're the church. The building isn't the church. You can be out in the middle of the forest in a a shack or out in the forest in the open air, and the church is there. We spend too much time worried about things and and decorations and, and all of those things. They have nothing to do with what the church is. Abram found out that all those possessions were a problem, were a hindrance to him and certainly to Lot. What happens? Well, there's a lack of discipline among the herdsmen because there's so many sheep and cattle and so little pasture land that they're fighting each other for the pastor. And while they're doing all of that and fighting among themselves, and we as churches fight among ourselves and have all kinds of problems, they forgot one important thing. And that's found here in that last verse that I read. And that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land. The heathen, if you will, the world was watching and they saw what was going on. We don't want any of that. All the things that we do speaks loudly to the world around us. If all we are going to fight over things... Recently, we had a fight at the church over a clock. Things, things don't matter. What does matter is our relationship to the Lord and making sure we are right before God. All those other things, they're fine. But that's not what we are here for. We are here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he saved us like he did with Abram. He took us out of the heathen world and brought us to himself. Abram finally got that. Not that he was going to be perfect from now on. And and in fact, he doesn't truly get saved until chapter 15 where it says he believed God and God counted it for righteousness. That was when he truly was saved. But he believed a lot of people believe in God. But they haven't given their lives over to the Lord and stepped out in faith, trusting him all the way. Well, here they are. They're fighting. And it's up to Abram. The one who God called to say to Lot to try to find some kind of a godly solution. What are we going to do? Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we're kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right, or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. Here, Abram realized you know, all these things, it that, that wasn't going to work. There wasn't enough pasture for all that they had. So they were going to have to move. By the way, Lot wasn't called anyway. Abraham was called. Lot tagged along. And now the Lord is kind of separating Lot out. That doesn't mean that he wasn't a righteous person because we read in 2 Peter that he's called righteous But he made all kinds of dumb mistakes, the mistakes that we make all the time, trying to be more like the world and getting all the advantage of the world rather than allowing God to have his way with us. Well, Abram realized the situation And he came up with a godly solution. Romans 12, verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That gives us what we are supposed to be doing. As far as it depends on me, as far as it depends on you, we need to be peacemakers to do anything that we can to bring peace, as long as we are in line with the Lord. We're in a very contentious time in our country, and there are very few peacemakers and a lot of warmongers, if you will. But that shouldn't be what's true among us. In 2 Corinthians 13, Verse 11, we read, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. You have a problem with somebody, what do you do? Well, they were wrong. They've got to come and say they're sorry. You know what we're told to do? The one who thinks he's spiritual, make the first move. The Lord Jesus said, uh, hey, if somebody has something against you, you go and make it right. Go to that person, make it right. If you have something about somebody else, go and make it right. That's what Abraham is doing. Remember when he was called? God gave all the land to Abraham, not to Lot, Lot tagged along. Now he's trying to horn in on everything that's Abrams. And isn't it amazing what Abraham does? He displayed that selfless attitude said, Lot, we're brothers. We're brothers. And we as Christians are brothers and sisters. We're part of the family of God. We need to be one. Not everybody going their own way, but one. He Lot, we're brothers. We can't have this going on. And here is the magnanimous part about Abraham. He says, Lot... Look around. I'm giving you first choice. Wow. You can take whatever you want, and I'll go the other way. I don't know if they'd still do that. Probably not. But when we were kids, we get home from, from school, and we go down to the, uh, playground, which was about a block away from the house, and we would play baseball or football until we heard our mother's calling, time for supper, and then we'd go home, and then after supper, we'd be out again playing. And one of the things that, or, that we would do, you know, there'd be about 10 of us, and we'd pick up sides, and we'd decide who was going to go first. Why? Because if you got first choice, you got the better player. And uh, we would choose up the sides. And then there was always somebody that someone said, you can have him. No, I don't want him. You take him. Well, you didn't want to be that person, that's for sure. But uh, you get first choice. You chose the best. here's lot. Abraham who has all the right. He still says, "Abraham, you can have it. it. A lot you can have the best. You take whatever you want and I'll go the other way." That's pretty much like what the Lord did in Ephesians or in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 and following that that great chapter chapter 2 when we read this do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves that's hard to do isn't it we like to look out for good old number one. He said, count others. More important, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And here comes the clincher. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by by becoming obedient unto death, even to the point of death on a cross. Jesus didn't have to come. He could have said, ah, they deserve it. Let them all go to hell. But he didn't. He didn't hold on to his rights, but he condescended, the creator of the world, condescended, came down here and became one of us. Wow. How many of you would like to become an ant? I don't mean A-U-N-T. I mean A-N-T. A bug. I wouldn't. but the difference between almighty God and one of us is even greater than between us and a bug. And that's what Jesus did. Why? Because he loved us bugs. He loved us enough to become one of us, to die so that we could be with him. Abram is understanding that principle here and now God has given him the land, but he's saying, Lot, you choose what you want. That was the godly way of looking at things. Lot had another way, the fleshly way of looking at things. Let's take a look. Where do we go? And Lot lifted his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all of the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. So they separated one from another. Abram trusted the Lord, and by the way, he found out and utilized the principle of joy. Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. We can do that. We're going to have a whole lot of peace and a whole lot of joy rather than trying to grab everything for ourselves. What did, what did Lot do? He based his decision purely on sight. Purely on sight. And the Bible tells us, man, that we shall live by faith and not by sight. We also read in 1 John 2, verse 16, in that whole passage there, we read about the problems of going by sight. and There, Paul writes about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lot jumped in with both feet in every single one of them. He was looking what he saw, and he saw a lush valley. It's not like that today. It's barren down at the Dead Sea, one of the hot I guess, about the hottest place on earth and the lowest place on earth. Things don't grow down there. But then, before the Lord destroyed the cities, the lush Green Valley. Lot looks at that and says, hey, I'm not going to have to work that hard. There's plenty of pasture. I'm not going to have to take them from place to place. There's great, and I'm going to make a lot of money. Uncle Abe, I like your idea. I'm going east. I'm heading down to the Jordan Valley. And you can stay up here in these rocky hills and fend for yourself. I'm going down there. We read in the the Bible a lot about the sight. Eve, when tempted by the serpent, Satan, she saw that the fruit was good for food. She said, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I want that. Later on, when uh, the Israelites crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. Remember, Joshua led them and uh, they had to take Jericho, that city. They marched around Jericho for uh, seven days and then blew the trumpets and the wall came down. They were told, don't take any of the plunder. It's devoted to the Lord. But there was one man by the name of Achan, And his testimony was, well, after they they did that, they went on to the town of Ai, and they were soundly defeated. And Joshua said, what happened, Lord? What's wrong? He said, there's sin in the camp. And they did what they could to find out. And in Joshua chapter 7, verse 20, we read, when the lot fell on Achan... Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Shinar, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. what we see. We can see a lot of things that we want. Commercials on television are depending on that. You know, you watch a commercial and all of a sudden you feel like you need something that you never knew that you needed before. The avenue of the sight when we're to keep our eyes on the Lord. So what happens? Well, he sees it, and did you notice? He said it was like the Garden of Eden. It was really lush, and it was like Egypt. Lot was longing to be back in Egypt, in, that, uh, in the delta area where it's very fertile. Usually you think of Egypt, and you think of sand and desert, but along the Nile and in the desert, uh, the delta of the Nile, it is lush, green, uh, wonderful country. And he, he sees here along the southern part of the Jordan. Man, it's nice. It's just like Egypt. I want that. Abram took Lot out of Egypt, but he didn't take the Egypt out of Lot. And he wanted it. So he pitched his tent as far as Sodom. Sodom. In the Lord's opinion of the whole thing? Now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. Lot used the wrong criteria. And it was going to get him into great trouble. In fact, the next chapter, you see there's a, an invasion. He's taken captive. And who comes to his rescue? Uncle Uncle Abe. Abraham comes to his rescue. You know, a lot of us, if we were Abraham, we would have said, oh, Lot got taken, and all of his goods, good. He deserved it. That wasn't his attitude. He went and rescued him. And as you read there in chapter 14, he brings him back, brings back all of his goods, and you know what isn't recorded? It's not recorded that Lot said thank you. He didn't learn from any of that. God was putting him through a trial, trying to wake him up, but he stayed asleep. You got a real wake-up call in chapter 19 when he lost everything, including his family. But for Abraham, it looked like he gave up everything. But as you look at the rest of the chapter... We're not going to go this verse by verse. But the Lord turns to Abraham after Lot is gone and says, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. And by the way, when you're up in the hills there, you can see for miles and miles. We, we, when we were over there three years ago, you, you can see from Jerusalem way down, and on a really clear day, you can see clear down to the Jordan Valley, because it's way down and you're way up high. And the Lord says, look in every direction because all this land I give to you and to your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring shall also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. What did the Lord do? He promised him the land, and he promised him descendants. He gets a little more specific later with him. And he said, look at the stars. If you can count them, so shall your offspring, your seed be. God greatly rewarded Abraham for Abraham giving it away. And the Lord restored over and over and over again. Folks, the Lord Jesus Christ... Gave away his life on the cross. Shed his blood for you and me. And what has the Lord given to him? Us. He's got a kingdom that will last forever and ever. And we will be there to rule and reign with him. Why do we want it all now? We have settled in this world But as the song says, this world isn't our home. We're just passing through. Some of it, some of us, it takes longer to pass through than others. Some have just a couple of years or a couple of days. Others live to be a ripe old age. But however long we get to live, it's like that compared to eternity. We can give up things in this life for the excellency of knowing Jesus and being with him forever. We need to stop being like Lot and wanting it all now, only to lose it later. To give it up now and give it all to Jesus, allowing him to have his way with us so that we are going to have it all and more than we can ever imagine in heaven and have it forever and ever and ever. What's our choice? Living for the Lord, going against what the world tells us, because the world is going to hell, and it's going there quickly. Oh, they deny it, but they're going to hell. And we keep, we're like Lot, we keep trying to live more like the world. Folks, living like the world isn't going to win them to Jesus. We have to be more like Jesus to win the, the world. Oh, that I'm not saying we, we go around being obnoxious. Jesus was never obnoxious. He loved people. He loved sinners, but he didn't join in their sin. He loved them and show them a better way. That's what we've got to do. Not join in, but we try to look like the world. We try to live like the world, enjoy all the world's entertainments and everything. A lot of stuff is junk. We need to be like Abram. Find out what is reality and allow Jesus to be our true portion. As the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what it's really all about. This is an illusion. Heaven is for real. What do we want? The illusion or the reality?